This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. Well, a point is something, isn't it? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Brisbane Football Review on a stormy Wednesday here in the alleged Sunshine State as we try and shine some rays of light on the Brisbane Raw start to the men's and women's season. It's James Scott and Adam here with you for the next hour or so, and we hope to be a little bit more successful than England's top order was at the Gabba. Right, Scott? Yeah, in the time in that intro there, James, they lost another wicket, so congratulations to the Australian bowling attack. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty impressive in a rain delay, Adam. Yeah, right. That's that is, but uh, yeah, uh, Brisbane Raw. Getting back to topic, uh, yeah, one point uh, so far, which make a grand total of one. No, let's stay it's off. Progress. Let's stay off topic. There's um flights back to London that leave pretty soon. If I would advise them to get back on that, let's make this the Brisbane cricket review for the week. I'll be honest. That's basically my entire cricket knowledge tapped out. So yeah, uh, I was relying this could on be you. an. Em- yeah, this could be an NPL Sunday show uh, sort of production otherwise. Alright, so this is the Brisbane Football Review. We will be talking about all the action from the A-Leagues over the past seven days. As well as any other news that has come to hand, we are on Clutch Radio and very pleased to be with them for the coming season. If you want to get in touch with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com uh, for comments, questions, segment ideas, discussion points. We'll take pretty much anything you can offer at the moment and uh you can find us on the socials uh facebook is the raw review twitter is at bne football you can find live coverage on every senior brisbane raw match plus when it gets back underway select national premier league's queensland fixtures and as well as that our podcast can be found on a league live app wooshka itunes spotify and several other good podcast outlets and we hope that uh We'll give you something entertaining over the next hour. So, I suppose before we get into anything else, we probably should talk about the Round 3 men's match up at Morton Daly Stadium, where 6,549 people saw the Raw play out a scoreless draw with Adelaide United for their first clean sheet, first point, and first home match of the new campaign. And I actually want to start off with that crowd number, Adam. Well, is that a little bit underwhelming, all things considered? Um, it's, look, it's interesting, um, uh, look, I think it's about normal, um, mind you, I think a few people probably question, and probably right to question that, obviously, that the, um, the view from the cameras, those who, uh, were not at the ground would be saying, how do you, how do you get six and a half thousand when, when the, um, the stand on the, uh, camera, on the non-camera side? Was um was not um was not even half full, nor was the uh, northern end. But uh, it was pretty full down on the western end, which is the camera side, which where we're located. So I don't want to get into this whole discussion about uh what is you know whether it's the it's the right number or anything like that. But yeah, look, I think it's it's about fair. Um, I think I think for the for the moment, I think it's still that time of year where you've got Christmas parties and whatnot going on. So. Yeah, six half hours. I think that's a, I guess, a average crowd. Well, I can say just walking to my seat before kickoff, it did look like that uh, shaded stand was full. So it does seem like a lot of the uh, people from last season might have learned. Okay, maybe for these afternoon games, get a seat in the shaded part of the stadium, Scott. That would make sense. I think in terms of the crowds, about what you expected, and it's pretty much about what we saw. At Morton Daly Stadium last year, it's just it's the way the crowds have gone across the league in the last couple of years. They're down a little bit, but it's about what we've seen in Brisbane for the last couple of years. I'll be honest, I was actually a little disappointed. Assuming the number was accurate, I was hoping for something around about 8,000. However, it has to be said that overall, like, it was actually quite a nice day, as you mentioned, Adam. Like We're getting close to school holidays uh, there was a storm brewing on the horizon as well, so that was a little bit of a lingering threat. And above all else, I think we've established that not just football fans in Brisbane, sports fans in Australia, the bulk of them are casual at best, and they need a reason to actually go to these games rather than just going out of some sort of, you know, rusted-on loyalty. 
So for me, it kind of feels like after back-to-back defeats down in Melbourne, including a hammering at the hands of the victory, the people who might want to go and see uh, a potential showcase probably weren't overly excited about the prospect of the Raw and Adelaide playing. Yeah, I think also as well, Adelaide are not the highest drawing uh, team as well. Very, very different story if it was a Sydney or a, you know, or either of the Melbourne teams that maybe you probably, your expectation would be close to eight, 9,000. So um, I think there's a, num- there's a number of factors. Obviously, the the sort of the complaining from the from the fans about, you know, having to travel all the way, Redcliffe is still going to play a part, be, be it that might shave maybe a thousand, maybe a little bit more off, off that optimal figure as if it would have been at uh, at Suncorp. But I think overall, I think it's just a down, the sort of the downward trend at the moment of crowd tenses across the A-League at the moment. So I think it's, it's about bang on average. And... Further to this, I mentioned this to you guys on Saturday as well. Now, the storm that hit at about seven quarter past, notwithstanding, the A-League is played in summer, but the idea is to uh, have the simultaneous kickoffs at 6.45 Brisbane time on a Saturday night. Why on earth was this game then played at four o'clock when this was going to be a very warm part of the day? And Scott, I'll direct this question to you. Why could the Raw not have played at the same time as, say, the feature match on Channel 10 and have this as a Paramount Plus game, when Sydney's clash with, I want to say, Newcastle could very easily have been played at 5pm Sydney time and swap those two fixtures around? Because all of Sydney's games so far have been in the one TV window, which I feel like has given them a huge advantage to start the season. Well, there's a very, very good reason for that. We're not going to, won't go into any of that here, but they also had their women's game on before that in the window where the Raw's A-League men's game was. So they would have had to reverse those. But to your point, that could have been very easily done. The other thing is if they had played 6.45 Brisbane time, it would have been a big delay anyway because of the weathers. But in general, I agree with your point. I mean, 4.30 in Brisbane or in Queensland in summer is not ideal sporting weather conditions. And the Raw have got a lot of these fixtures, a lot of fixtures in that window on Saturday and Sunday. So it's not ideal, but... It's Bedlam same-day travel, isn't it? Well, it is a step up on that. And, yeah, I don't know. That's just my, That was actually my biggest uh, concern about the whole picture as well, is just whether or not the game could have been played in that same window. Uh, it's a 6.45 one, because I'm actually just going to look up the other fixtures now. Yeah, it was Melbourne City, Western United. That was the game on 10, if I remember correctly. And yeah, but that was the Channel 10 game, and Sydney, Newcastle was Paramount. Yeah, so okay, I wasn't aware of the uh, women's double header there as well with Sydney, but yeah, I don't know. For me, if you're trying to avoid playing games in conditions that will massively impact the quality of the uh, match, maybe schedule the games in southeast Queensland on Saturdays for night time. Anyway, as for the game itself, two changes for the Raw. Jesse Daly and Luke Ivanovich came in for Matty Steinman and Cyrus Demi. There were certainly positive changes from Warren Moon as they tried to set themselves up uh, for this fixture, Adam. Yeah, look, uh, two players that uh, that sort of that did show um, a bit against um, against Melbourne victory. Uh, Luke Vanovich, you know, he's probably been one of the better players so far this season, albeit in limited unlimited time. So he got his first start of the season, and um, look, Jesse Daly comes in. He's a nominal sort of you know def- defensive midfield sort of. Um, Sort of choice, you know, you know, to switch with um, Matty Stein. Stein wasn't great against Melbourne Victory, so probably needed a spell um, on the bench. And uh, look, Jesse Daly, uh, I thought had a, had a good game. So, and there's Cyrus Demi as well. Uh, that's who Luke Vanvich came in for. Uh, maybe uh, sort of re- rethinking sort of at the moment as far as he, he's had two games to start. He hasn't really made impact where Luke Vanvich has. Uh, look, I think it's a natural change. Scott? Yeah, I thought Daly was really good in the in the energy off the bench against Victor, and he brought that energy into the midfield in this game against Adelaide. It's just the first half, we, I mean, we were all talking about it at halftime, James. The first half, it was very conservative, wasn't it? You had Brisbane playing their back five with two holding midfielders sitting rather deep, and Adelaide had their back four with two holding midfielders sitting rather deep, and it was a very conservative approach from both sides in the first half, wasn't it? So it wasn't really conducive to great football, but I do think the changes that the Raw did make did make them a little bit more lively and more threatening than they were against the victory, particularly 
with the energy that Daly brought, and Ivanovic up front makes a big difference, doesn't he? Just, he? He just seems to make good runs in behind to try and get into position. Just The final ball wasn't really there for him on Saturday, but I thought he looked, looked threatening and looked dangerous. So they certainly did improve the team. Yeah, they certainly did. And I, I, I you know, without giving away my player of the year votes, because it's not my week to do that, I thought Jesse Daly was arguably the best player on the pitch until he was substituted off with... I did think he was hobbling when he came off, but he did seem to provide a little bit more energy uh, into midfield, and they really did need that spark, similar to Ivanovic. We spoke about it last week. Demi, he's he's a talented prospect, and I have no doubt he's going to go on to become a very, very good striker, but he is still very young, still very raw in terms of his uh, overall development. So maybe it was just good to move him uh, back and just let him watch and learn for the time being. For me, the overall story of this game was the fact that you had two sides that were scared to lose and were like, they wanted to win, but not at the cost of possibly leaving themselves exposed. And for the most part, Adelaide, three draws, uh, two draws going into this game. I thought they didn't really offer a whole lot going forward, to be honest. And, that was probably the most disappointing thing. They would have seen the Raw look a little bit, I suppose, yeah, suspect at the back, but they never really thought to go after it uh, with the likes of Cassini Yangi. Yeah, it's um, it's sort of a... I think it's more for them. I think conditions as well. It's the early season. My um, fitness may still not be not... It may only be you know, at 85 90%. So go, going out and absolutely torching yourself in very humid conditions may have sort of it might have been more about self-preservation the first half than go for it in the second half although in the second half they they were a lot more um, I guess threatening is probably the word I'm, I'm looking for um, they, they did create chances probably probably had had the uh, better run of the play in the second half but uh, early on it was pretty much blow for blow uh, I think both teams had one sort of legitimate chance in the first half and uh, yeah but they, they played like an away team would you expect to play uh, early on the season that's you no know, uh, yeah not it, it's, it's not to, it's not to lose at all costs. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, Scott? they were putting the onus on Brisbane to really go out and chase the game after two straight losses, weren't they? And that wasn't really the way that Brisbane were going to play either. So it was very much a standoff sort of game. But I do think Adelaide were better in the second half when they introduced Mo Toure down the left-hand side to, um, or the right-hand side, I should say, along with Cassini Yengi. Those two did combine quite well, and that did create the best opportunities for Adelaide. And I do wonder if they had either started or introduced Mo Toure a little bit earlier, would they have been able to to get something out of it, although they did also capitalise on Anton Milnaric, who was who had a really good game, but by the end of the game, he was very clearly struggling with cramp, and that was the um, space they were trying to, to get in behind there, James. But I do think for Adelaide, that combination is something they might need to look at trying to get a bit more out of in terms of minutes on the field, because they were their two most dangerous players. All right, let's hear from uh, Warren Moon and what he had to say in the press conference after the match. Uh, well, it's a point gained. Um... You know, our performance was good. We created plenty of chances. and um, But at the end, we also gave up some chances. You know, we fatigued a little bit at the end. It surprised me the way the game flow went. And um, But we had to, to dig deep, hang tough, and we did something we haven't done in the last two weeks, which was keep a clean sheet. Uh, I guess um, the finishing will come under focus. Uh, I guess a couple of really good chances that went begging. Is that where the frustration was for you, just the fact that you created those chances but weren't able to put them away? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, you know, we were disappointed uh, the last couple of weeks. We, uh, you know, felt like there were different things that were hampering us. Today, we felt really strong, sharp, you know, well prepared, uh, and we got into good areas today. And, um, and we had the chances. The chances came, but uh, we weren't good enough to take them. So yeah, it's frustrating because, you know, on the general balance of play, I felt like we were the better team and deserved the points. And that was Warren Moon after the batch. You guys were in the press conference, Scott. We'll go to you. How was his mood after the game? Because obviously he, you know, would have been happy to get a point so that they're, you know, off that dreaded zero. But also, knowing Warren and the way he sort of approaches his football, I feel like he would have been a little bit irritated that he wouldn't have been able to um, get all three points there. Well, he was irritated by them when Adam asked him about the um, travel down to Melbourne, which we might hear about later on. But in general, both he and Colbert were pretty pretty calm and happy with the way that their sides played. They both both thought that their sides were the better side on the field, which is what you'd expect to hear, but no, he was pretty calm. 
in the press conference on, on Saturday evening. Over, yeah, so that's not too bad then. And Adam, trust you to be the troublemaker at the press conference. Oh, I, t- I thought it was supposed to be a tee-up question. Um, I'm, it, it, he hit a home run off it. Yeah, if we're going to going to bring you forward and discuss, I'm actually, uh, to be honest, I'm actually a little bit disturbed by um, those comments actually by Warren Moon because the, the nature of the question was, uh, I asked the question, you know, were the lessons learned? From travel, from the travel, and to to I would have thought it would have been yes, it would have been. We've learned from lessons. We're going to do things differently. We're going to train differently. We're going to, but to come out with this whole, the whole um, blame the APL, blame everyone else. I, I'm a little bit um, disturbed by by that. I, I don't know if it's mind games. I don't know if that's how genuinely he feels, or whether that's the club club line. Or, I know. And look, I'm not saying what he's saying is wrong. I'm just saying I'm just very very surprised by. That that reaction, um, I must say, I was a bit taken aback. Yeah, you know, at the pre- at the press conference after, so I scratched my head, saying, "Well, it shouldn't have actually come out like that." As far as um, that response, uh, we've all been there. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to the match. Overall, uh, we uh, one final point that I wanted to get onto that. We will get to the audio on the travel uh, when we look ahead to the weekend's game. But Jez Lofthouse became. Uh, A-League men's player number 191 for the Raw. He looked lively in his debut, but I think, it was, I think it was also a case of, you know, really running at tired legs on a draining day. Yeah, and in the initial period of his A-League men's career, James, that's where he's going to be best utilised, coming off the bench in conditions like this where the opposition is fatiguing and he can just run at them, which is exactly what he did. He just kept running at the Adelaide, Adelaide, um, Adelaide defenders and... He had an impact with it. Every time he got the ball, he looked dangerous, like he was going to make something happen. He drew a couple of fouls, so it's a really good first-up impact from him. Although Henry Hoare was also quite good off the bench. I think they both added a bit of spark in the front third, but for a first line from Jez, it's similar to what we've seen in the NPL, isn't it? He's always exciting when he gets on the ball. He is, and on that as well, it is probably worth remembering that maybe don't uh, judge the 15 or so minutes he got off the bench as how he will perform for a full 90. We've seen, uh, we've seen you know, the way Wenzel Halls was brought into the squad, some of the other players that the victory have uh, taken out of the NPL as well. It's better to have them on a slow, gradual introduction to the A-League because, you know, while we do see on the internet some, uh, you know, not so original and well-thought-out comments that some games are NPL standard, it is a, it is a jump going from you know, the part-time nature of most NPL teams to the full-time world of the A-League. So, you know, I I do hope he does get more opportunities off the bench. For me, the way he performed in those 15 minutes at least means that he's got to now do something pretty bad to lose his spot on the bench going forward and maybe eventually work his way up to uh, 30 minutes uh, in a game in the next month. Yeah, I like it just Lofthouse being like a, a first-round draft pick, and you know, I guess in like the NFL or even the AFL. That you know, look at the end of the day, you know he's a he's a talented prospect, but I guess you don't want to burden him with expectation. Like you know, I don't think anyone ever said that he was going to be a complete A-league player from minute one. And I know there's a few people that obviously that live vicariously through that, and you know, I think that he is the messiah almost. And others that were very, very dismissive as well. It's a, it's a fair spectrum. But look, I, I look at it as that with Jez Lofthouse. I thought we wouldn't even see him um, get minutes until probably January, February. You know. You know, in the back end of the season where he's had a bit of time. So the fact that he's playing in round three and actually getting minutes, um, I actually think that you know, he might be out of schedule a little bit as far as where where he is at. So that, that can only be a good thing. Well, we do know he was battling an injury at the start of the NPL season, and it does have me wondering that could that be a little bit fortuitous now in the long term for Lofthouse, knowing that maybe he doesn't have that full NPL season in his legs to uh, possibly wear him down a little bit. It wasn't fortuitous for Olympic, that's for sure, but it may very well benefit. It may well benefit hey, got Brisbane to... Raw and, and Joe Loftus in his long-term career. Because I think you're right. If he had played a full NPL season, then into a full A-League men's season, it would have been it would have been a lot for him. So I do think having that break probably does benefit him. Yeah. So that could very well be uh, the way forward. Now, uh, to wrap up this recap of the scoreless draw, 
Adam, I believe it is your week for the player of the year votes. Now, uh, yes, it is. Three, two, one from the game. Go for it. Yep. Okay. So three points for me to Luka Vanovic. I thought um, he's continued to go on as probably the best player at the moment. Um, sort of as far as impact goes at, at, at the Raw in these first three rounds. Two points, Jesse Daly, uh, as as we covered. Uh, just, you know, tireless, you know, energetic, in, industrious, whatever adjective you want to describe, he was that. So he had a, he had a good... Um, another good performance and one point to Corey Brown I thought on the left hand side for the opportunities he had he uh, did actually create a bit of issue but mind you that it seemed like a lot of the play was coming down the right hand side with uh, with Jack Hingert but um, when, when Corey Brown did get into the game he actually sort of seemed to trouble that um, that left hand that right hand defence of um, Adelaide and so you mentioned Jack Hingert we should probably uh, mention briefly he did go off at half time with uh, what was I think a leg injury so I've been mean, hamstring. hamstring, so we'll have to wait and see if he's available for the weekend. But that's the second time he's had to go off this season, so it's not not great science there. But it was good in the first half, wasn't it? Because he was the main outlet for the Raw. It did actually remind me of that game uh, against Adelaide from January this year uh, up at Morton Daly Stadium, the one that I think got held up for half an hour because of a storm in Sydney. But overall on that, I actually thought Adelaide... I'm not sure how worried they are about Jack Hingett as an attacking threat because they really did seem like they were happy to let him take the ball and drive forward. And, you know, Hingett's delivery has never been the strong suit of his game, but we have seen him occasionally tear apart uh, teams when given the opportunity. So that was kind of curious for me, just the fact that they kept saying, all right, well, if you're going to beat us with Jack Hingett, so be it. But, uh, you know, if that injury does possibly look at sidelining him for the next uh, couple of weeks. It could open up an interesting dilemma because you've got Josh Brindle South and Nick Olsen as the two obvious replacements, and we might get onto this later on, but uh, I'll give you guys about half an hour to think about it. Say Hingett's out, would you rather put Olsen in or Brindle South? Now, moving on, we have the other round three games from the A-League men's competition. Wellington, nil, Western Sydney 2. I still don't know how Western Sydney won that game. Uh, 2-2 draw between Sydney and Newcastle. Melbourne City uh, were stunned by a rearguard effort from Western United. Then in Sunday's fixtures, MacArthur 1-0 Central Coast. Uh, 1-0 over Central Coast. Melbourne victory 3-0 over Perth. And actually, no, that wasn't 3-0 over Perth. Perth. It was Perth 3-0. Yes. Okay, so there's my Ron Burgundy moment for the week. And that wraps up our men's recap. Now let's move over to the women's competition where the Raw travelled over to Perth and unfortunately went down 2-1 after a pair of late goals from the glory. However, I will say that uh, the biggest story for me on from this fixture was the return of Katrina Gorry barely four months, I think, after... or three and a half months after having, um, a, having baby Harper. So it was great to see her back. You're able to hear her talking about her return in the A-League Women's Season Preview, which we released last Thursday. You know, so congratulations to Gori for that. But in terms of the overall match, it's three points that the Raw uh, let slip, Scott. It is. Firstly, it's great to continue Gori back on. They've got about 20 minutes in the midfield. But I thought, again, for about 70, 75 minutes in this game, James, the Raw were absolutely dominant in this game. Their control of the play was really, really impressive. The midfield three of the started, actually, with Rika Tano in there along with Aisha Nori and Marielle Hecker, were absolutely sublime, the three of them, in terms of their control of the game and the chances that they created, and they scored a good goal, and they had three or four other really good chances to capitalise on it and make it 2 or 3-0, and then this game is done. And unfortunately, when you don't take your chances, you leave yourself open to to um, what happened in the end, which was when Perth pushed on and fought right then and managed to nick a goal, and then that kind of gave them the momentum and the onus to push forward, and then less about what happened at the end, the better. But I do think for 70, 75 minutes, the Raw were really, really impressive in this game. It does, does show that despite being a, a new-look team and an MPL-based team, there's a lot of talent in this side, a lot of promise for the season ahead. And you could see as well, Adam, the cohesion from these players that do know each other so well. Uh, Ishinari, the new captain of the Brisbane Raw women, uh, which was also announced on Thursday... Uh, she and Rika Tano just picked up where they left off at uh, 2020 with Gold Coast United, just running the engine room of that midfield and allowing Mariel Hecker 
to just do what she does best and just buzz around the pitch and make things happen. Yeah, look, I think the theme of this is that if you don't take your chances, you leave yourself open. And yeah, I, I look, I agree completely with Scott. But if if they take the chances in the first half and second half, early second half, uh, look, the this the, this comeback from Perth will be just consolation. Rather rather than you know now they especially they they get they get that late they late equaliser and then yeah then force the error uh, which I'm sure uh, Jesse Rashard and um, Georgina Worth would love to have back again. Um, yeah, and that, that look that, and that's and that's a byproduct of momentum swinging after you've basically had a team on the road for 80 minutes and they've somehow you know fluked a goal and then you know and have turned the momentum completely and um yeah look, 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 let that be a lesson you know you take your chances um it, like I said the, these goals at the end of the day are just merely consolation the raw did take the lead uh in the 22nd minute through anna mcgrath the 47th goal scorer for the raw's a-league women slash w-league side and scott overall it was a, a built, good bit of build-up play and mcgrath had a I would say a fairly solid outing on that right flank for the Raw. It was good build-up play, and again, it was that Lions combination that set up the goal between Hecker and Connors that set the set the play up, and those two, their combination was sublime. But I do think also, Anna McGrath had quite a good game out there on the right-hand side, providing a bit of balance out there. So it's, it's I do there's a lot of positives to take out of this game, James, in, the, in terms of the fact that they created a lot of opportunities and they were able to score one, and they, they probably should have scored at least one or two more. So there's a lot to take out of it, but that passenger play that was converted was very very well done and just looking at the balance of play uh from the weekend as a whole across the a-league women's i think there's a chance that neither of these sides might be might struggle as much as we uh originally thought because you look at some of the teams we expected to be a little bit better perhaps or some teams we expected to be a little bit worse there were some early round jitters from some of the uh big clubs no, look, I'm looking at the results. Uh, I was just looking at the results, just reminding myself. And look, I think the results are pretty much as we thought. I think it does. It does show that there's probably four dominant teams. Um, and then, and then, other than that, I think the the the, extra, the other six. I think they'll be, be taking points off each other all season. Um, again, round one, it's very very hard to draw any form line. But uh, Melbourne victory, you know, their their win uh, in Sydney as well. That probably as we as we all both. As we all sort of forecasted you know, in our preview last week, they're probably going to be the uh, dominant forces um, in in the league again. But I think the other results, I think, yeah, it's it's hard to know until like Raw and Perth play someone other, other themselves in you know in two weeks' time. Well, before we get back to that game, we should also mention more talking about the other game change. Wellington's result on Friday night to get a draw against Wanderers in their first first up game. I don't think anyone expected that. So congratulations to Wellington on that. It was a really good performance from them. So. Well, Adam's right. The big teams we expected to be good were good. Some of the other teams did did surprise us, and Wellington certainly surprised me with how competitive and well well they played. Yeah, and the victory did record a big five one win over Adelaide on Sunday, but it did come as a come at a cost with uh, their captain Kyla Harrison. Morrison. Morrison, my bad. Um, lost for the season with an ACL injury, so it does also show that while there may be. The powerhouse teams, they're just as suspect to the injury bug as any other team in football. Back to the Raw game, though. And we do have to touch on what was the collapse at the end. And it did just, to me, look like uh, they fatigued. And in the final 10 or so minutes, they just they kept pushing for that extra goal. And maybe they just didn't have anything left in the tank. While Perth, not having uh, had to undergo a five-hour cross-country flight were able to finish the stronger. Yeah, I think that's definitely what happened, James. The Raw were really good for 70, 75 minutes. They tried to change it up in the last 15, 20 minutes, bringing on the subs, but as a team, they just ran out of legs, didn't they? And when Perth did get that first goal back, the equaliser, they they also were starting to run on empty themselves. But when you've got that, that goal and the home crowd behind you, it just gives you that little bit extra. And I think they were able to ride that wave and create that opportunity for the winner. But... The Raw did run out of legs in the in the final ten minutes of that game. I think I reckon it was about the last ten minutes I ran out of legs. But also with Perth as well, the first win of fourteen, um, you know, A League women slash W League matches. First win 
uh, under coach Alex Apakis. So it, it, it meant it meant a lot to them as well. I think obviously they they really struggled last season, um, and I think a first up win for them. I think that will uh, sort of breed a bit of confidence as well that, that maybe that they are catching up with the um, with the rest of the league because they were a long way behind uh, last season. Um, but which and then it, but also begs the question: we we look ahead to this week. You know, does that does that tide of momentum and confidence? How does that um, that lead to the game on Friday night? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, and also, just on the uh, Perth coach Alex Zaparkas, I was trying to work out where I remembered him from. Then we had to go up to the uh, shops on Sunday to grab some groceries, and then I worked out. I'm pretty sure they picked him out of uh, one of the posters on that politics clothing shop that Harry Kuehl used to endorse. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying he could pull it off. Anyway, um, some of the uh, news and notes from the game. Four starting debutants for the Raw. Cannon Clough, Annie Haffernan, Jesse Raskett, and Ree Catano. Uh, they were debutants 98 to 101 in that order. Two more debutants from the bench, Meg McGilligate and Ellen Gett, 102 and 103. And there are two new players uh, set to be announced by the Raw. Well, one was announced after we recorded last week. Midfielder near Stamatopoulos. And the defender, which is yet to be announced, but is listed in the official season preview released by the APL, uh, Isabella Folletta. Now, the latter looms as an interesting option for a defence that, truth be told, after a couple of uh, nervy moments from Annie Haffenden, I actually thought was quite solid throughout the match, Adam. Yeah, look, she was. Uh, I... Yeah, the um, combination between um, Rashad and uh, Haffenden actually sort of turned out um, turned out right. It was fairly sold. Um, obviously, by then uh, Haffenden had come off uh, when when sort of the the goals went in. So I thought she had a good game after some yeah some early nerves. Um, but uh, yeah, talking about the new signing um, Isabel Folletta, she's uh, was from Canberra United, but also spent the last three months at Lazio, and I believe is still in quarantine. Um, so may not see her for a few weeks yet, but um, but yeah, it's more depth at least defensively, which is what you know, the Raw desperately need. Because if they lose um, Rashad or Haffenden to injury, um, they've got a real big hole um, in, in that in that defensive stock. So I don't know if you want to uh, rely on young Ellen Get to be the um, be the dominant replacement. Yeah, that's very, very true. Now, we will wrap up this recap going through our Player of the Year 3-2-1s. For me, three points, Anna McGrath. She was the Raw's best player on the night. Uh, Two points, Ishnari. And one point for Jesse Raskett, who, calamitous error at the end, notwithstanding. I thought she provided a lot of experience um, all throughout the match and that veteran presence for what is overall a fairly young and at this level, inexperienced side, and hopefully uh, she will continue to build on that. Let's move on now. We'll go through some of the news that have come out in the last uh, seven or so days. The 2023 uh, FIFA Women's World Cup fixtures have been announced, and the interesting part for us here in Southeast Queensland, you got eight games in Brisbane. you got one Matilda's group stage game, four other group stage matches, Two knockouts, a win, uh, round of 16, and a uh, quarter final, both of which could possibly see the Matildas playing there, as well as the most irrelevant fixture in all of sport, the third place playoff. Scott? Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a good set of games. I think the, the, when the World Cup was initially announced and the venues were announced last year, there was a lot of speculation and belief that the Brisbane would get a semi final. That has transferred to Sydney in place of the third-place player. But I think when you've got eight eight games, including four in the group stage and two important knockout games, I think it's fair to say football fans here in South East Queensland have got a very good slate of games to look forward to to in the World Cup. And, I'd, and if the Matildas, it does go to plan, it doesn't matter if they finish first or second in the group, their path to the through the knockout phase will be in Brisbane regardless because if they finish top of their group, their round of 16 game will be in Sydney, but their quarterfinal will be in Brisbane and if they finish second in the group, it's what's the other way. Their round of 16 games in Brisbane, their quarterfinal will be in Sydney. So either way, they, they probably will play two games here in Brisbane. Uh, but even if worst comes to worst, 
there's a really good slate of games there. That that um quarter final could be absolutely spectacular. You think about the teams who might be in that, James, it could be an unbelievable matchup. And I think two of the group stage games feature teams who are going to be seeded number one in their group. So you're going to see some very good sides here in Brisbane, which is a good thing. Yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to say that. You know, notwithstanding the Matildas, obviously, as well, they'll, they'll play, uh, I believe, on the 27th of July, uh, 2023. But uh, yeah, as, as Scott said, uh, there'll be also two number one seeds in the, I think, the Group D and Group F. Um, yeah, group B, D, and F, and the F, uh, materials yeah. are B one, so it's them plus two more. Yeah, so uh, ho- hopefully, you know, so I think you guarantee, especially in the group stage, you're going to get some good, good, uh, good quality games, or at least you're going to see a you know high quality side. You know, in I'm expecting a, a team like the United States or you know England or uh, you know. Uh, Netherlands, I think, are also up there. Germany, so yeah. Look, I think, I think no matter what, I think you know, eight games up here, I think, is a good, um, a really good sort of, you know, I guess, I guess, a time to have at uh, Suncorp Stadium or Brisbane Stadium, as they're going to call it. You know, you never know. It might be called something else by that stage. Uh, yeah. So we've also got FFA Cup action underway uh, tonight. You'll have the Raw finding out their opponent. Uh, for the quarterfinal draw, Sydney FC or MacArthur. The winner of that will host the Raw with a date and time to be confirmed. I'm assuming that will be in the early part of January by the sounds of it, Scott? I would assume so. Given the um, round of 16 doesn't finish until just before Christmas, I would imagine so. Which actually probably helps the NPL side when you think about it, doesn't it? Given they'll be further into their preseason by that point. Yes, and Gold Coast Knights will be hosting either Adelaide or the Melbourne Victory in their next fixture as well, if I have that correct. Yeah, yeah, so Gold Coast Knights play Melbourne Victory on December the 22nd, and then the there winner is, of yeah. that will play against Adelaide, and if Gold Coast Knights win, they will host. Oh, okay, I can't read the draw properly. Never mind me. So that uh, match will be on December 22nd at the Croatian Sports Centre down at Carrara, and... As we all know, they have a fairly raucous following at Gold Coast Knights, as we remember the 2019 NPL Grand Final. And I'm fairly certain that uh, there will be a hefty crowd there for what should be a very interesting cup tie. you giving them any chance of a cup set, Adam? We'll talk about it a little bit more later, but any chance? Oh, geez. You know, to be honest, it'll all depend on what Tony Popovich does and... What sort of side um, they they put out there? So I think if if they go with their second string side like like they did in in the playoff or um, or in the round of, in the round of thirty two, look, I give I give um, Gold Coast Knights you know half a chance of causing upset. But um, look, if they if they bring any of their their top players, it might be a stretch too far. And that, that's no disrespect to Gold Coast Knights, but asking them in December to to perform a top tilt. Um, that's going to be a hell of a task, and um, yeah, I, it's going to be a very tough one. But but also as well, talking about upsets, um, I actually I actually sort of thought that maybe that for this year that the, the quarterfinals will be eight uh, A-League sides, but that's not going to happen anymore thanks to uh, RP Leichhardt, who reprised their role as the Giant Killers yet yet again as they um, took out Western Sydney Wanderers last night, and and probably uh, one step closer to um, to Carl Robinson maybe uh, getting the pink slip. Scott, you're you're yeah. jumping. I was hoping that Wanderers might not be giants after what happened last night, but it was fair play <laughs> to RP for the result, and it does yeah. actually show you that at this time of year, despite the difficulties, NPL sides can very much compete. They they did win and they played very well against Western Sydney for about 70 minutes until they started to fatigue naturally, as you'd expect. But Adelaide City also having not played in a month or so, they took Melbourne victory to 120 minutes and lost on the last kick of the game there. So it certainly can be done, and I do think if victory do bring that reserve or youth side up here to play against Gold Coast Knights I think they've got a good shot against them yeah it'll also come down um, to you know how prepared Scott McDonald will be because it will be his first match in charge and it sounds like there have there will be quite a bit of change from the Knights uh, last fixture which was I believe the Gold Coast Derby against United in late October so there could be like there could be quite a few new faces for us to learn as well given how uh, closely we follow the NPL 
the one the one thing as well, and Scott and I were discussing this on uh, Saturday, that may be an issue for Gold Coast Knights is um, who are they actually going to draft in? Because um, if it depends on what timing that being cup tied actually comes into effect, because. Uh, like I said, it goes all the way back for the preliminary rounds. Um, I don't know if there's too many players out there that haven't played an FFA Cup tie, um, either in the preliminary rounds or in the main rounds. So that's going to be an interesting game. But maybe there's rules behind it. Maybe the the Cup tie, the Cup tied sort of rules have expired um, because we we haven't gone this long before into uh, an FFA, FFA Cup sort of you know, tournament. So I'd be interested to know actually who um, Gold Coast Knights actually can recruit you never know all right uh, just some, two quick bits of local news that we've actually just found in the last half hour or so uh firstly football queensland has announced registration fees uh, f- uh going to be reduced across the state uh they've got the full story up there on their website but based on the future of football 2020 plus reforms uh halving fq team fees for more than 500 teams in community competitions across the state uh and that is that has been a real bugbear for quite a lot of uh, people when it comes to football as well so that's a good move by them scott it is it's cuts the cost for people at a time where money is paramount so it's a great move uh, I'm, I'm sorry to be sort of the um the, the uh black cloud and all that but as someone did point out i uh, think a couple of the comments you know at the end of the day it's all good if you reducing costs but will the clubs be the ones to pass it on and that's going to be the big question you've always got to be yeah. that dark cloud haven't you yeah, sorry. You've got to ask those questions. So is that you hovering outside my window then? Uh, there's a bigger one outside my window, that's for sure. And we do have uh, some transfer news from the NPL as well, as that merry-go-round is in full swing. Uh, former Logan defender Liam Golding is off to Gold Coast United. That was announced seven minutes ago. And in the women's competition, prolific striker Brittany Lasik is leaving Logan as well, and she is off to Olympic FC. So there you go. It's that time of year. Plenty of moves going on. Yeah. I know. It's actually uh, a lot of fun trying to keep track of it all. Uh, Southwest Queensland Thunder have been able to retain Packy DeVita. And yeah, just check out the club's social accounts because that's probably better. We'll have a full, uh, we'll full recap for you in the MPL season preview in a month and a half's time. More or less. God, that soon. Yeah, that's soon. late January. <laughs> somewhere around then anyway. Have we heard anything about when the new season's starting? No, it starts tomorrow. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It seems anyway. Yeah, I'm pretty sure some clubs are already a month into their preseason training. Anyway, um, now time for our weekly Paramount Plus update. And in some comments that came out earlier in uh, the week, it sounds like that much asked for rewind function will be added sooner rather than later. But um, yeah, otherwise, I don't know how it was for you guys, but. Overall, on the weekend, I didn't see anywhere near as many complaints about um, struggling to use it as we did in the first two rounds. Adam? No, I didn't have any problems. And while talking about Paramount Plus, I'll shout to the Trouble Diet in the South End who decided to yell to yell at the cameraman about how bad the Paramount Plus is. What, what, a, what a moron. Like, seriously, it's a... The, the cameraman, who's probably a, a, a contractor, has no power whatsoever to to, uh, to diagnose what is the issue with a, any one, you know, one consumer and their issues with Paramount Plus, be it substandard or not, depending on who you talk to. Like, I mean, people are idiots sometimes. This guy might have won the Idiot of the Year award. Seriously. Well, when did this happen? Did I miss something? This uh, happened on Sunday. Okay, I, I was not watching football on Sunday. I'd seen enough after Saturday night, so that would explain why I didn't see it. But for me, it worked fine. As yeah, it worked fine on Saturday night when I was watching the women's game, James. So, again, it's, it's it's good that this rewind function and the um the ability to... I think they're also bringing in that um, start from as live. Watch from the start, back. yeah. So they're bringing those two things. That's, a, that's encouraging, but again, we knew it was going to take a few weeks. Yeah, and there were some comments as well from uh, someone at 10 Paramount, CBS, one of the uh, parent Rob companies. Rob the... Um, yeah. He's the... Yeah. And even that, and they said, you know, this is going to be overall a one or two year project trying to rebuild the good faith in the broadcast product. And, you know, they are slowly getting sponsors on board, one of which I have a professional association with, as was announced on Tuesday, I believe. Oh, 
don't get me started on that. No, either. don't That's... start talking about that. Please don't bring yeah. that up. No, yes. no I, don't, I, I don't know if this is the appropriate forum because of uh, the bona fides of, of our of our illustrious hosts. I'll so... say gamble responsibly and let's move on. Yes. Agree. Yes, let's do that, but uh, it is fun being involved. That's all I will say. Uh, and we will move on now to the weekend previews. And the Raw women will be headed to Parc de Paris for the first time since February 2018. And they take on Perth Glory on Friday night. The game was initially scheduled for uh, the Croatian Sports Centre down on the Gold Coast, but with the copious amounts of rain that we have had in the last, I would say, couple of weeks and the overall re-turfing efforts um, of the, at the Croatian Sports Centre, that match has been moved to the Bowen Hills home of football in southeast Queensland. Scott, I suppose only real question for this game, how motivated will it all be for some revenge after dropping three points out west on Saturday night? Well, firstly, I think the decision to move the game is correct because we've seen in the NPL James Gold Coast Knights field down there at Croatian Sports Centre. When it does get wet down there, it can take time to dry out. So it makes sense to bring it back to Parc de Paris, the home of Queensland football, as you point out. And yeah, I think revenge is going to be on the agenda. I think that's going to be the case. I think if the Raw play as well as they did on Saturday night over in the West for 70, 75 minutes, they will they will be in control of the game once again. And I don't think they will be as wasteful in front of goal. I, I expect I expect some revenge here. And I think that they will win this game and they'll win it quite comfortably. Adam, I'm going to have to interrupt you because uh, you've gone dead silent on the Skype call. So I'm not sure what you've done. You may have bumped the mute button. But I'm back. There we go. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought, mate, yeah. Well, that maybe censored me after my comments of calling someone troublesome. Um, look, <laughs> as far as uh, the game, as far as the game goes, uh, this uh, on Friday night, yeah. Look, I expect Raw to win and win, win well. I don't think I think it's an anomaly that they, you couldn't possibly miss that many chances and not uh, take that. I think uh, Perth, they're happy to get their win, but I think it'll be business normal service resumed. I think they Raw win and win very easily. Well, Adam, I will just say in terms of censoring, you know the rule on this show, only say words that uh, you can spell, so that's why you know I try and keep it to five letters or less. Scott? I go for three-letter words, personally. <laughs> All-time, the record against Perth for the Raw, and this is part of uh, the Scott database. 17 matches played, 8 wins, 6 losses, 3 draws, and a goal difference of plus 12. So, the other round two fixtures in the A-League women... Friday, Newcastle taking on Wellington, as well as the Raw game. Saturday, a Sydney derby, Western Sydney at home for Sydney SC. Sunday kicks off with a Melbourne derby, City hosting victory. And then the round closes out with Adelaide against Canberra. I can see Canberra putting five past Adelaide, just like the victory did last week. Is there anything else you guys are looking for? Scott, we'll go with you first. I'll go to Adam first, actually. Okay, Adam, what are you uh, looking Melbourne derby. I think that's good. I think the... The early favourite, as far as A-League women goes, uh, will be the victor in that game if there is a winner. Uh, no, that should be a, a very, very good game, that one. Yeah, I think there the Melbourne Derby is going to be the most interesting game for me. I do think that, that well, I think that will be very intriguing. Both sides won at the weekend. I think victory looked superb, but I fancy City in that game. They just look like they're really solid defensively, so I think that's one to keep an eye on for me. Also, Newcastle, by the way, have signed Emily Van Egmond for a very short-term period before the Asian Cup next month, so that could be a boost for the Jets. So that's why it was such... That is why it's such a short-term contract, because I saw something about her still technically being contracted to her overseas club until December 31st, and then she'd be a free agent. I'm not sure about the specifics of it, but I know it's a very short-term contract until the Asian Cup, with game time in mind for her and lead up to that. So it makes sense, but... It's good to see her back in the league. One of the few Matildas in the league, so it's good to see her here. I believe that might be the same arrangement for Lynn Williams as well. I think I think her signing with the victory, I think, is a very short term. I did I did hear four weeks. Um, so 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 yeah. So it's uh it's good that yeah, you know, even though it might be short sharp bursts, we are still seeing some very some you know quality players playing in the A League women. For sure, indeed. Now over to the men. Brisbane Raw will take on former coach John Aloisi as well as former striker Dylan Wenzel-Halls and former goalkeeper and multiple-time Gary Wilkins medalist Jamie Young. 
in Geelong this Saturday afternoon. It is a four o'clock kickoff time in Brisbane, so same as last weekend. And as we teased in the first part of the show, Adam, you teed up Warren Moon when you asked him in the press conference about the issue of the Raw undergoing same-day travel for the third time in four weeks. And this is what he had to say. No, there's, there's one lesson. Don't do it. And the APL needs to listen. You know, I know they're doing their best, so this is not, you know, this is not the perfect situation. I know that. But listen to the Brisbane Rule. Listen to our players. That Now, don't talk to the PFA and then get them to ask on the sly whether they enjoyed it or not, because that's not, that's not asking the right people. Ask us if this is proper preparation for an elite team in this league when others aren't doing it, and is that an even playing field? And I'd say no. All right, so I'll go to you, Adam, since you were the one that asked the question. Uh, your thoughts on the comments? As I said earlier, I'm, I'm quite disturbed by them. I, I, I think it's almost... Um, look, I've got, I've, look, I've just I've got to believe, knowing Warren for as long as I have, that this is... It must be something he's told to say it must be something because I, I just think it's a case of you know if, I, if I'm hearing that from the outside in I'm and you know obviously maybe it doesn't it, our um, exposure and that those comments won't reach the far masses but that, that sort of says to me that you know without sort of quantifying saying that you know oh that they that they're going to go in you know just game game, you know, looking, looking for the win or anything like that, to basically just say, oh, it's wrong that we have to do this. I, I'm almost sort of tempted to say that, you know what, you'd almost put the house on, on Western United to win, because it sounds like the Raw don't, um, they're, they're basically giving up. They're, they're basically blaming, they're blaming everything that's, you know, that they can't control for say, to excuse it for what's going to happen. So I, I'm really perplexed. I'm really concerned by it. And like I said before, I'm not saying what he's saying is wrong. I just don't know if that is something that the head coach would be saying. If, if David Pure said that, the CEO, well, that, that's that's one thing. But for the head coach to make a proclamation like that, say it's unfair and it's a playing field, playing field I'm really disturbed about it, especially with the young players of the team. Like, I, I just hope it's like mind games or it's some reverse psychology or something like that because I like I said I am truly disturbed by that firstly a fair is a place where they judge, judge pigs Adam secondly it's music music to the ears of John Aloisi isn't it because it's it's exactly what I would want to hear if I was him in, on Saturday night having just won against a local rival Melbourne City and you've got Brisbane coming down on the same day it's what I would want to hear I do think it's what Warren truly believes because he would have been through this twice and he would have seen the effect it has on his team when they have to go through this I don't know. I don't know if I would have said it either. I just think it's one of those things where mm. I just you just say, right, we've got to focus. We've got to do this. You just siege mentality. We have to go down there. We have to do this. We have to perform well, and we have to get a result. That would be my attitude about it. But look, it is what it is. I, oh, it's, I, I think it's going to be the last time it's going to have to happen. Because obviously in Queensland, the borders are opening as of this weekend, so this will be the last time they have to do it. So that's the positive out of it. That they're done with it after this weekend. Not, not to repeat myself from previous episodes, but the main reason why I'm actually kind of okay with these comments is the fact that this the third time in four weeks they've had to do it. I, it, I can understand having to do it once, maybe even twice, if that's the way that the draw has worked out. But the fact that you're putting the side through this three times in four weeks, for me, is just absolutely just over-the-top insane. Yeah. Why, was, like, why is it so hard to work something out. I just do not get it. And I think that's the and, point Warren was trying to make, actually. Not yeah. so much about no, no, the no, travel, take... it's more the fact that they had to do it three times in four. It's think what's actually irked him the most out of it. Adam? Yeah. I, as I say, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he's wrong either. That, I just want to make that very clear that, you know, I, I in principle agree that, you know, the APL have absolutely screwed the raw with this because they haven't... They, they seem to not considered obviously the the border closure that's still in place when they release that draw. I I, I get that. I absolutely get that. And, I, and if uh, if David Perot wants to come on our show and say that, I would absolutely agree with it. But I'm just a bit concerned with the head coach when the question was meant to be asked about what can he do as a as a team to go down there and play Western United and says the same line as that, basically saying, oh, it's unfair. That yeah, you know, I'm I'm hoping that you know behind closed doors, and I've got to believe this. 
that is a very, very different approach. And maybe that was out there to put bait out there for, you know, for talking point for people like us. Because I've got to hope that, you know, that they still, that the team believes they can go down there and win and get all three points on Sunday, irrespective of the travel. Well, just on that as well, like the fact that you asked it that way, to me has me saying like this was a point that was going to be made at some stage during the press conference rather than like you just have to find the tenuous link to it and you know you were the one that served it up for uh for warren to really go for and just you know any reference to the travel that's the point that is going to be made but there are two like two thoughts on this as well firstly we saw the raw really struggle uh when they took on the victory with the afternoon kickoff this is going to be a 4 p.m. Uh, or 5 p.m. local time kickoff. So that does mean that it is probably going to be a bit of a rush getting down. Early flight uh, down to Melbourne. I'm not sure which airport they're going to land at, Tullamarine or Avalon. But either way, it is going to mean that they're going to have to then go down to, like, uh, go down, travel to, uh, t- travel all the way down to Geelong and play the match there and fly back. The early kickoff is what worries me most about this. If it was, again, the 6.45 kickoff, where maybe you're able to take things at a slightly more leisurely pace getting down to Melbourne, that possibly becomes a different story. However, as has been announced uh, this week, the Queensland board is going to be opening up on Monday. So I would love to know, and you know, this is probably something that I would hope has been discussed among the higher-ups at the Raw, do you bite the bullet and possibly consider saying, all right, we're going to fly down Friday play the game on Saturday, stay there until Monday when the borders open and all of a sudden uh, the freedom to travel back uh, is, well, the ability to travel back is a lot more free and open. That, to me, would be my uh, solution. However, as was brought up a couple of times in the season preview, perhaps it's a financial issue where they're just not going to be able to uh, manage three nights down in Melbourne. If the same day of travel is that big of an issue, that's exactly what they should do. Because also, also they aren't flying commercial on these same day travel, James. It's private jet in and out, which is also quite a hefty expense. So if they apparently if that is covered by the APL, it is. But so so is also accommodation. I'm led to believe as well. So you could, mm. you could either way. But if it's going to be if that big of an issue, that same day travel, then yes, it's you go down on Friday afternoon. You stay the night in the hotel, you prepare Saturday morning for the game, play the game, go to bed Saturday night, do your recovery on Sunday, spend a relaxing afternoon in Victoria doing whatever you whatever you please, get on the plane Monday morning and come home. If, they, if it's that big an issue, that's how you handle it. Well, just knowing how many uh, Queenslanders have made their way down to Victorian football in the last little while, I'm sure they will be able to catch up and fill out not only one day, but probably about six or seven. <laughs> the other thing is that yeah, most flights yeah. back Monday morning might also already be booked as well, given the amount of people who want to get back into Queensland. So that might also be an issue. Well, the only other thing as well is that this this um, announcement, these plans, like the, the, that press conference was on on Saturday afternoon. We've had the announcement from Premier Palaszczuk since then that the borders are going to be now open you know, on Monday. So I don't know. Whether that has changed the plans, we obviously will 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 hear maybe later in the week about whether the, the same tra- same same uh, day tra- travel will continue as of right now. So um, look, maybe maybe we're speculating on old news, but uh, but yeah, look, I think it's it's an interesting dynamic. And at the end of the day, Western United they're just sitting back waiting, uh, basically looking like you know, well, hey, Raw are sending out mixed messages about about how they're feeling about same day travel. Yeah, you know, half the job's done for him. I, I will just take one issue with your phrasing there, Adam. I don't think there's anything mixed about that message. It's pretty damn clear. <laughs> All right. We probably should actually talk about the match itself, considering we are running out of time. But uh, for the Raw, obviously there is the reunion factor, as mentioned, Wenzel Halls, Young, and Aloisi. For those three players, do you think there's any sort of extra motivation to really uh, pull something special out for this game? I feel like Wenzel Halls is going to be the player that maybe, like, possibly because he is still quite young, I can see him being the one that might really be pushing to try and make something happen. Um, maybe not, because I think all he has to do is retain his form, and I think the, the uh, rest will do itself. Like I said, he scored, he scored two goals in two rounds. Um, he's he's going, 
he's going he's going well. So maybe maybe actually, if anything, putting out his mind that he's playing his former side might actually be a good thing. Could very well be, and should point out as well. It does seem like the change of scenery down to Western United has worked wonders for Wenzel Halls. It has this ungrateful moment. I think the fireworks, if they are going to happen, will happen in the return leg up here in front of the Brisbane fans. I think I'm sure that there'll be something happen this weekend, but I expect most of the fireworks, if there's going to be any, will happen up here. I'm not sure when that game is, but it'll be the game up here is when you return back to your former club, it's a lot more feeling than when you play them at your place, James. So I think that's where it'll happen. And for the Raw, uh, Scott, we'll go back to you on this one. Would you make any changes to the side that started on uh, Saturday against Adelaide? Uh, only if Aldred's fit. If he's fit, you've got to bring him back in. Other than that, I'd just stick with the same team. Also, Hingard as well. If Hingard's fit, then that's also another issue as well. In oh. that case, I would go Brindle South over over um, over Olsen because he's more right-footed for me, so I'd go with Brindle South. Adam? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. That's probably the only change. If uh, Jack Hingard's not fit, uh, yeah, I think Josh Brindle South comes in. Um, comes into that right back role. Um, it'd be different if it was like if it was Corey Brown on the left that was missing. That I would perhaps consider Nick Olsen, but um, because it's the right back that role that needs to be filled, I would say Brindle South first. But um, yeah, look, I also agree. Tom Aldred, I think he's so important. If he's if he's fit, uh, he needs to um, he needs to come back straight away. So, but. Bearing in mind, you don't want to rush him back too quickly because you don't want him to strain something 15 minutes in the game and he misses another six weeks. Yeah, overall, I don't think there have been... Like, maybe I'm just remembering the Raw keeping out what was a fairly limp Adelaide attack uh, with the three central defenders they had, but I feel like if Aldred isn't 100% confident, you may actually try and uh, just get him through one more week uh, where he's not having to push himself with the same day travel. Again, if that actually is still happening. So, for the Raw, one point through three games, definitely not an ideal start. You take him on a Western United side that has given you trouble in the past, admittedly under a different manager. But I'll start off with you here, Adam. On a scale of 1 to 10, what should the Raw's desperation level be heading into this game, or level of con- level of panic? Well, notwithstanding, notwithstanding the signals that are coming out of the, um, sort of coming out from the, the press conference, and look, I don't want to harp on that much longer. Um, look, I, I still think that yeah, you know, a point at the moment would still be okay. It's not like there's a clear leader that's you know, or a clear two or three teams that are breaking away. So even you know, two points from four games. It's not an unassailable uh, position to be in. So, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be calling it desperation or must-win or anything like that. I think a, a, a good point with a good performance, I think, I think that'd be fine. I, I think it would be a case of, you know, again, not win at all costs. Almost the same, almost the same strategy as what we think Adelaide did to the Raw um, on Saturday. I think that's sort of the mentality that the Raw should go in. That they put in a good, strong performance. Um, but a draw would not be the um, would be the worst thing. Obviously, a win would be brilliant. I would put the panic scale at about a 6 out of 10 at the moment. You really do need to see the Raw start winning games soon, but I'm not sure this is a spot for them to go out and pick up that win. We've got a team that scored one goal, well, technically two, in 270 minutes of football to date. And I would like, if they can come away with a score draw in this game, I would be happy. Overall... If they can keep it to 1-1, and look, let's be honest, despite some of the names in their team, Western United are not the most dynamic attacking side. They will be more than happy to sit back and try and hit the Raw on the counter. They do have the personnel to do it. But if the Raw are happy to just play out, play it out on those terms as well, we could see them wind, wind up just taking a point uh, back. And truthfully, if we just see signs of growth and a point, I'll be happy with this game. And you know, then you can really start to turn your attention to what should be a pretty big home game against Perth. For me, this weekend is just about surviving and coming away, you know, with something more to build on after getting that uh, first point against Adelaide. Yeah, and in terms of desperation, I think it's the Perth game next weekend where they really need to start picking up three points. But for this one, I tend to agree. I think the energy that they all have with Daly and Ivanovic in the side can really affect a 
what is a veteran, shall we say, veteran-laden Western United team. Typical John Aloisi. He loves his players towards the back end of their career as opposed to the younger guys. But I do think the energy that the Raw have in their side that can cause problems for Western United. So I think, to your point, the concern would be if they go another 90 minutes without scoring a goal and looking like they're going to score a goal. That would be a concern. But in terms of panic meter, a point in this game and then three points against Perth is is what I would be looking for. That would be... If they don't beat Perth at home in a week's time, that would be... That would be... Mm, bit, bit okay. Worrisome. What would you rather out of this game? I'll give you two options. The Raw lose, but score three goals, or they draw nil-nil. Adam? Oh, I think they nil-all. I don't know if I would like to see them... Because if they don't win with uh, scoring three goals, it means they've conceded four. So, four or five or more. And that's not good. So, uh, if given the choice of those two scenarios, I'd take the nil-all draw. Away from home. Scott? Adam says the nil-all. Warren Moon would definitely say the nil-all. I kind of want the goals. They need to show they can score goals in this league. They've only scored one, technically two, in three games. I think getting some goals on the board is important. And, yeah. Okay, I will add one little caveat to see if I can swing your mind on this, Adam. I'm actually on your side as well. For me, the points are far more important than the goals at the moment. However, would you take the nil-nil draw? Or no, Scott, this is for you, actually. Okay. Would you take the nil-nil draw if it if the Raw have, you know, 10, 11 shots on target and Jamie Young just plays absolutely out of his mind? Yeah, because then I can blame Jamie Young next week. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for me, I would take the draw as well. Now... That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, James. I think England are now seven down in their second inning, so it's going really well. (laughs) Thank you, Adam. (laughs) Thanks, gentlemen. All right, and thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Uh, Thanks for listening to us on Clutch Radio, if that's where you're tuning in, or in podcast form, Wooshka, A-League Live, iTunes, and whatnot. We'll be back this time next week to recap the Raw's Uh, home game against Perth in the women and the men's trip down to Geelong. It's the first time they'll be playing at that venue in the men's competition. And we'll have it all for you on the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.